Welcome to Unit 4. This podcast episode is all about horsey emergencies. So in this episode, you'll hear from myself and Robert Michael. Rob is one of the vets who helps me with uh, live events, as well as he's put a lot of training together with me for our online course. Rob has special interest in internal medicine and dentistry, uh, and he graduated from the University of Liverpool. So in this episode, you're going to hear all about nosebleeds, going to hear about choke, what you can do to prevent choke and what to do if your horse has choke and also a short section on what to do if your horse becomes cast or trapped. Enjoy! In, in this section, Unit 4, we're going to be looking at horsey emergencies and I'm joined by Rob, one of our fantastic vets who helps me with courses, the live courses as well as online version. And we're going to be talking through some common horsey emergencies that owners might have to deal with, including nosebleeds, uh, if your horse has has choke, and what to do if your horse becomes cast or perhaps trapped in a ditch um, or or similar situation. So, Rob, what's the most important thing we should think of then for some of these horsey emergencies? Mm. I guess it's to stay calm and kind of get out of the way a bit, really. We want to help Mm. our horses, but... Not a lot of good as known if we just have a head kicked in. Absolutely, um, I, I think I think um, a, a, a sort of running theme for a lot of these units, um, particularly with the emergencies um, or, or any of the other conditions, is is um, is not to panic. Um, you know, you, you'll probably recognise when the vet come, comes to the horse, they tend to to remain very calm, um, and I think it's important to to, to remain calm. Um, by remaining calm, I think you you make better decisions. So um, your your safety really is the priority in a lot of these cases. Whether your horse is suffering from a violent colic, um, or if it's been cast, or if it's got um, a nosebleed, um, keeping calm allows you to 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 make the right decisions. And and you know you can't ring the vet if you've just um, been badly injured um, by trying to get your horse to stand um, or if you've tried to um, get your horse um, you know if, if it's if it's been cast um, in, in, into a position where it can stand so I think ultimately we, we should should remain calm put your safety um, as a priority and um, and, and then you know you, you will make um, hopefully the right decisions Oh, that's really sensible advice, and it's uh, it's um, easy to let your heart rule your head, isn't it? If you can see there's something mm. wrong with your horse, so you know, that's that's very sensible advice. We can't help the vet or the horse if we're suffering from an injury ourselves, mm. isn't it? So, um, what about nosebleeds? Then, are nosebleeds that common in horses? I think it's something yeah. that would probably be quite alarming for most owners if they found their horse yeah. having a nosebleed. Yeah, I think um, the probably more common than we'd like um to to think um the severity of them um can um is what probably would concern most people so if they just saw a little bit of a trickle um most people probably wouldn't report that it's normally um those um the, the very severe nosebleeds um that get reported so from from our point of view we probably only see a small 
proportion of, of nosebleeds and um, hopefully what, what, what will come to light over the next few slides is um, that, that even a small nosebleed can be very important actually. Um, so um, I, think, I think not to be too, too alarmed, um, but um, you know, always bear in mind that, that really the severity, not, uh, whilst the very, very severe ones, you probably are going to call your vet, even, even, the, even the small trickle, particularly if it's happened once or twice, I think I think you should really be seeking some veterinary some veterinary advice with that. So all nosebleeds need to be kind of muted, even if it doesn't seem mm. to be very severe, yeah. uh, and you shouldn't yeah shouldn't overlook it. Okay, well that's 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 great advice. So if we found a nosebleed in our horse, what's the what's the best way to try and give you as the vet the the best information? I guess is it bleeding yeah. from one side, both nostrils? Yeah. yeah. So um, that's, I think I think that's really important to to be able to um, to to tell your vet you know it's coming from one nostril or or, or both um, because that that can have um, important diagnostic implications and an important um, prognosis implications. So um, that's probably one of the first things that that anyone on the phone is going to ask you: is it coming from one side or the other? Um, and, and what they'll also be asking you is obviously how much how much blood is there um, is is it um, slowly dripping or is it very rapid um, uh, you know we, we always talk about this can you count the drips is it like a slow flowing tap so um, it's really important to, to, to get an assessment on, on that um, you know a, li a little bit of blood um, on the floor can look like a lot so um you know that i think that's an important factor particularly if it's mixed with a bit of water or you know it's already on a you know if if, if you've ever had you know had a bit of snowfall recently a bit of bit of blood on you know some snow looks like gallons of the stuff so i think it's important to bear in mind um that just even just 10 mils of blood on the floor will look like a lot more so it's it's not just the sort of total blood that we can see, which as you said can can cause us over to really panic, but yeah. how uh, the rate of which the blood's mm. flowing out. Mm. Um, I, I suppose uh, other things you, you might want to consider would be if, the, if there's like an obvious cause, but I think maybe your horse uh, has fallen. Um, and, you know, you could see that, that could be directly related to the nosebleed. And I suppose if, if this is the first nosebleed, or if actually this is the the third little mini one mm. that you've noticed, mm. and this is the, the first one you pick up the phone, I guess it's all important information to to pass on. So if we thought that the nosebleed was just coming from one side, just one nostril involved, what are some of the likely causes that could be? So yeah, so just from um, from one nostril um, tends to um, suggest that. The blood is coming from the um, oral pharynx or the nasal pass passages, um, and um, particularly over one one side of that. So, you know, if it's coming from the right nostril, then um, the blood could be coming from the right nasal passage up to the right hand, the right hand um, guttural pouch. Um, obviously, um, if if there's blood coming um, from both nostrils. 
Um, we're then talking about maybe the blood's coming from further back and it's trickling down both both nostrils because it's further back in the, in, in the um, um, respir respiratory tract. So um, if it's coming from down one nostril, um, it gives the vet um, an idea of, of where to start looking um, and what the potential consequences of, of that of that nosebleed is. Um, again, if, if it's traumatic, um, the horse has bang, banged its head um, on, on one side. We, uh, uh, we mentioned in a previous unit, um, the horse that's re that, that reared and fractured part of its front, frontal sinus, that horse that had a, a small amount of, of, of blood coming down one side of the nostril. So trauma, um, particularly on, on one side, will, will, will often cause a, 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 a nosebleed down one nostril. Um, us vets are pretty good at causing nosebleeds. Um, particularly with our di diagnostics, so um, if you've ever had a horse with, with colic um, tubed, um, we're, we're passing a, a plastic um, nasogastric tube to um, see if there's any fluid in the stomach, we can sometimes um, cause a nosebleed that way, or um, via an endoscopy, so um, for things like gastroscopies, that kind of thing, um, we can sometimes cause that. Um, Tumours in the nasal passages, um, progressive ethmoid hematomas um, that occur in, 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 the, in, in the nasal passage um, can, um, can intermittently cause um, some uh, blood coming down one side of, of, um, of the nostril. So again, they tend to occur just on one side. So um, the, the very fact that your horse has got a unilateral, i.e. one side or bilateral, both sides um, will, will instantly tell the vet where to start looking for the, the origin of the, of, the, of the nosebleed. Sure, so, so trauma, uh, it, it sounds like it's the most likely uh, horses being relatively accident prone. Uh, a tumour could be another cause or as you described a sort of giant blood blister, mm. ethmoid hematoma could, could also be a cause. And how about guttural pouch mycosis? I understand that's a lot rarer, but it can be quite um, a significant uh, cause of a nosebleed and, and often have quite a bad prognosis, doesn't it? Yes, um, unfortunately. Now, um, my my boss um, will have us believe that um, we used to see a lot more of these um, many years ago. Now, um, unfortunately, I saw one last week, and that will be probably... The second we've had in the last um, in the last year, which um, uh, that we know about, so um, it, it, it does happen. Um, uh, and, and again, not to be too alarmist, um, it, it is probably the one condition that that we're um, ultimately really concerned about when we're presented with a horse with um, a, a nosebleed. So. Um, uh, guttural pouch mycosis um, is a posh word for a fungal infection uh, in the guttural in the guttural pouch, um, and 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 yes, it's very serious. Um, and the general rule um, that we're, we're all kind of sent out from university um, is that um, normally, um, if your horse has had one nosebleed um, as a result of guttural pouch mycosis, um, the second or third one could potentially be fatal. Now sadly last week um, I was presented with a horse with guttural pouch mycosis where the first nosebleed was fatal. Um, so what happens here is um, 
is um, you get a um, fungal infection in, in the guttural pouch, um, and it tends to form on, on the walls of, of, of the major blood vessels. The guttural pouch has got some pretty important arteries running through it, um, and they basically erode the, the blood vessel, um, and you may start off with a small, no small nosebleed as a result, um, but eventually, if, if, if that um, blood vessel is completely eroded, you'll have a um, catastrophic nosebleed, and, and, and sadly, it, it will be fatal. Well, although that's obviously a sad story to, to hear, I think that's a really good takeaway, uh, just outlining why, we, as owners, we really just don't ever want to ignore a nosebleed. Yes, your horse might have just innocently banged its head um, on the stable door or something, but there could be something much more serious going on and if you wait until as you said the second or third nosebleed uh, it, it might not have such a good outcome if this was actually the underlying condition so that's that's really helpful thanks very much for outlining that Rob that's great and then how about if it's um two two nostrils are causing so, it or blood causing um, two nostrils so so two nostrils um I guess the probably the, the most common presentation of, of, of a horse with bilateral or um blood coming from both nostrils um, is that it's coming from further back in the in the respiratory tract um, and, and mainly from the lungs. Um, the, the most common common presentation would be exercise-induced pulmonary hemorrhage, um, otherwise known as EIPH, bit of a mouthful. Um, it's com common in racehorses, um, polo ponies, eventers, horses that are exercising maximally. Um, so um, you, you quite often um, hear people say, oh, the horse, the horse is a bleeder or he bled. Um, and that's basically um, the small capillaries um, down in, in the lung tissue um, uh, are, are um, leaky um, because the horse is working so maximally. And I think it's the pressures that are building up in the lungs at, at maximum exercise. Um, and they, they, they reckon that, that probably most um, racehorses um, will have um, some form of EIPH. We grade these things. And, and, and actually, the, 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 nostril, the, the blood coming from the nostril is probably less common um, than just having a small amount of blood in the trachea. Um, so it's really the very, very severe ones that, that lead to that extent. And is that something that could only affect the kind of elite horse working, as you said, at that sort of really maximal level? What about a, a leather horse that's perhaps not very fit, going around a sponsored ride? <laughs> I don't know, it gets a bit carried away. It's probably working at quite a maximal level for its yeah. current yeah. condition. Could that occur in um, um, a leather horse, or is it just much more likely to be in those elite yeah. performance animals? Yeah. Pr probably, um, it, it probably could happen. Um, I guess the reason we don't recognise it is because we've, we, we very rarely will perform an endoscopy in, in those kind of um, in, in those kind of patients. So um, the racehorses um, are having endoscopies routinely pre and post um, pro, post um, uh, competition, um, mm -hmm. and we're recognising these things. Um, but in, in your in your leisure horse. Um, like you say, that, that maybe not be very fit, that's kind of overdone it. Maybe they are having some exercise-induced um, uh, pulmonary hemorrhage, and, and um, it's just going unnoticed because 
um, it could just be that it's working its way up into it just about the trachea. It's only very mild, um, and um, and 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 it's not noticed. But but yeah, I, th I think I think it's a possibility, but we we just not we just not recognising it. Sure. So for the leather horse, it's more likely to be uh, a nasty from from one side, and we've identified some of those. Um, potential conditions that should be causing that, but the taking really on the nosebleeds is it, you need to be taking some action and calling your vet, not to yeah. be panicking, but it, it, it's not to be dismissed uh, or ignored. Yeah. You do need to be checking in with your vet and at least discussing it on the phone, if not taking that bit further. I think so. I think it's important to remember that um, an, an endoscopy is, is really not not very expensive. Mm -hmm. It's not very traumatic. We, we, we normally give horses aren't used to having them um, some sedation, and it's a very quick and easy um, process. We can do it on your yard, or we can do it in a, in a clinic. Um, some people will have um, video endoscopy, so everyone can um, sit around a, a monitor and have a look themselves. Um, and if it is going back to the guttural pouch mycosis, something as severe as that, actually, it is treatable. Um, and um, it, it does require quite major surgery um, if, if it's very, very severe. But sometimes, it, you know, we, we have treated um, many horses with this with, with just topical antifungals. So um, it's, not, it's not a death sentence if, if diagnosed. And, it, and it's a relatively easy diagnosis and, and not very expensive, not very traumatic. So. Well, that's, that's really good to know. So just getting a vet involved at the first sign of any slight nosebleed is the sensible <clears> option <throat> to do uh, and to just investigate that a little bit further uh, and not dismiss it. No, that's, that's brilliant. Really, really helpful. Thanks so much for that, Rob. So the next condition we were going to look at was choke. Mm. Uh, and I think what's interesting with choke is if you've ever had this happen to your horse, it is a horrible experience mm -hmm. for horses making some awful noises, there's saliva, there's food coming out of their nose. Um, but then when you talk to vets, the vets often call it a, a minor emergency, but I think as yeah. the owner, it doesn't really feel very minor, it feels pretty stressful. So perhaps yeah. you could just run through what is choke um, and what, what owners can be doing, uh, and yeah. then we can perhaps think of how we could try and prevent that. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think you're right, and I think sadly the the term choke is probably the, the the first the first example of why people panic so much because obviously choking humans um, is is very very serious, and and that's because we tend to be choking um, on food or um, that that's that's stuck in our um, trachea, um, and and that can obviously have pretty major serious life threatening complications. Now in the horse, um, it's correctly termed esophageal obstruction. So there is no chance of your horse um, uh, really um, having any kind of respiratory distress over this. Um, it it uh, does look very distressing um, for the horse and, and, and obviously for us, particularly if it's the first time we've seen it. Um, the horse will be coughing and um, tends to hypersalivate. You'll see food material coming down the nostril. Um, um, but uh, in general, it, it's it's um, it, it's it's not going to be um, a 
may you know uh, as as you 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 right, quite rightly put um a major emergency we, we, we will come and see the horse um but um in general by the by the time we get to the to a lot of these horses um it has resolved on its own um so i think it's important to speak to your vet your vet may say well look you know i'm going to get you as soon as possible um and they may give you some sort of management advice over the phone what to do um i.e keep keeping the horse's head down um uh, massaging the, the the esophagus that kind of thing but um in in general i would say we don't have to get um too involved um with, with these cases because a lot of them will resolve on their own well, that's great to hear, and it's very reassuring to hear that your horse can still breathe. So mm. trying to perform some kind of horsey Heimlich manoeuvre is going to seem not yeah. necessary, which is no. very nice to hear as an owner. So if our horse is choking, one would going to um, certainly know about it. As you said, it's, it's a lot of, lot of saliva coming out, a lot of mm. um, food stuff. You, you can't miss it. You're going to know about it. Mm. Um, but keeping calm is important. You, you mentioned keeping the horse quite relaxed, trying to remove food and, and water. And it's sensible, so although we might not need the vet to actually come and kind of fix the problem, mm. as it were, because mm. it could resolve, sensible to still check in and find out if the vet is an hour away, if they're just mm. up the road. Um, so I guess you just don't know how, when it's going to resolve and where your vet is at the moment. That's right, and I, and I think um, you know no, no vet um, is going to trivialise this. I think I think um, I think that it would certainly be on on my list to to, to come and see um, before doing some vaccinations, some teeth, etc. Um, and 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 I think um, you know if if you're around the corner, then great. I'll come. And, uh, we'll be there very promptly. Um, I think. Um, it's it, it's important to um, do a few things yourself prior to the vet getting there, and I think um, removing food and water um, is important. As I said, you you can you can massage their neck. Um, in my experience, uh, I don't know how how beneficial that is, but um, you know it's better than doing nothing. Um, you can um, encourage to get to get their head down, walk them, but but. Um, realistically, um, I think if 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 it's not resolved in in my in my opinion within sort of half an hour, then I think um, you know the vet the vet should probably um, cer- certainly um, start some form of treatment. And what we we generally will do is is sedate the horse, and and that that kind of is beneficial in a couple of ways. Um, it will um, help the, head, the the horse keep its head to the floor um, and allow all this kind of saliva and food to drain out of the, the nostrils. Um, it will also allow us to do any any other procedures in a, in a, in a restrained manner um, rather than trying to fight to pass a, a nas- nasogastric tube. We'll give some painkillers, um, some anti-inflammatories. Um, I, I sometimes like um, some buscopam in these because it's a bit of a muscle relaxant. Um, and um you know we we, we will tend to, to pass a nasogastric tube um so plenty of nice, plenty of water around um to try and help lavage this um this this food out, out of the esophagus and it can take some time so 
because we're trying to get this this bolus of food down the nasal gastric tube so you'll see the vet pouring lots of water down and then trying to siphon the food um but you know uh, the majority as i said will will do this themselves but um uh, i think if the vet's there then it, then it's prudent to to have some of these things ready uh, just in case that's what they want to do um are there any like I was gonna ask are there any um implications once the choke cleared? You know, could be yeah. any kind of further complications as a result of this? So I think the the worst case scenario and um not that we're seeing this very often, but um that you know, de- dependent on um severity of this then then obviously um and and how long it's it, it's taken then then obviously there's always there's always a, a a worry that we may have aspirated some of some of this food um and then we can set up a, a secondary um pneumonia um so in the, in the aftermath i think it's important to closely monitor um your horse closely monitor their temperature um and if they're becoming quiet lethargic and the temperature's starting to go up I think it's important to have a second visit there and and um uh, for the vet to check check your horse over just in case unfortunately well, that's, that's great <clears throat> sorry to you. that's great great advice um and but what about say hopefully it will resolve relatively easily but definitely checking with your vet just mm. just in case it doesn't and to watch out for uh, that potential mania occurring mm. afterwards and what about um preventing it so it sounds like food has got stuck. Um, yeah. So what what can we kind of do about that to try and prevent this happening? Is it always food? Um, generally, um, it is. Um, it, it's normally normally food. Um, we um, we tend to see a lot of um, sugar beets, um, which hasn't been um, soaked thoroughly. Um, dry feed. Um, so you know, I think I think it's important to to make sure you're 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 managing this well, and and um, you know, I think it's important to make sure that that stores um, are are you know well secured, so horses can't get into in, into stores um, where where they're they're eating dry dry feed. Um, I think. Um, Another cause is if if your horse is um, having to bolt their food um, and, uh, uh, as a result of either um, being very greedy or having to kind of fend for themselves in in a big herd. Um, carrots or treats, I think you know um, it's important that you know you don't chop these things up. The horse should be um, chewing them themselves um, and and and. You know, they're not just swallowing swallowing small bits whole. Um, a, a big, an important thing for me um, is um, dentition. I think, um, you know, I, I, I would almost always come back and see these these horses um, with a view to um, doing a real good oral exam, making sure that they've got sharp teeth, any fractured teeth, um, uh, uh, which may be leading them to uh, not chew their food properly. Um, I think um, water supply is really important as well. So um, you know, I I, I I I like just having some buckets of water. I know a lot of horses on automatic feeders, but um, I, I would make try and ensure that 
um, that, that there's plenty of fresh water available um, and um, sedatives as well. So, um, you know, post sedation um, in, in a busy day, um, uh, a vet can sedate any number of horses. And um, I think it's important um, that, 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 that your vet will um, remind you um, to starve your horse for at least an hour or two after after sedation um, because they lose they, they tend to lose um, control um, of their um, esophagus esophageal sphincter um, and their um, larynx um, and so they can aspirate or, or, or choke on, on food that way as well so um, it's important to remove any food after sedation. Well, that's some, some brilliant suggestions. So uh, it's really trying to make sure your horse has got the right feed stuff, uh, not, as you said, unsoaked sugar beet. It's got good quality teeth to be able to grind its feed down properly. Uh, it's not having to bolt its food 100 miles an hour uh, and they're getting sufficient amounts to drink and that should all help prevent choke, which is really reassuring because as with all of these conditions, we want to know how we can prevent them as well as what to do when they actually happen. And then the other uh, horsey emergency we were going to talk about was what to do if your horse gets stuck in a cast mm. or in a stable or maybe it's been got trapped in a, a ditch or sometimes mm. you hear stories of horses getting into like empty swimming pools and getting stuck. Uh, they can get into all manner of mischief, can't they? Mm. Mm. So what should we do if our horse is getting, getting cast um, in a stable? So... Um... Being cast in the stable, I think, is, um, you know, we we probably don't get asked to come out too often. I think a lot of people are um, trying to deal with these situations themselves. Um, and if it's just a genuine casting, I think, um, you know, the most important thing is, is, is your safety. Um, and you can sometimes um, resolve these things, you know, help to resolve these things yourself. Um, but but safety is is most important. So we talk about the safe zone, um, which is um, along your horse the, the horse's back and not the legs. Um, and it's important to remember that um, you're probably not going to be able to do this on, on your own. So you are going to have to enlist some help, um, and um, you should be wearing some some protection. So um, you know if, if if you're not able to do these things, then I think you, you need to try and enlist. enlist some help and, and if that's your, your vets then, then fine but there's normally a, a number of people in the yards at the yard as well um, but as soon as you're struggling for any particular reason then I think you should stop and potentially um, call your vet because there may be a reason why your horse is cast it may not just be um, an incidental um, thing. So trying to keep yourself safe uh, is a great suggestion and um, if you are trying to help the horse you know perhaps using um like lunge lines or something around the legs working yeah. not yeah. over their legs working over their back and, and using sensible equipment like hat and gloves um to keep yourself safe for body protection as well wouldn't be a, a bad thing so mm. if your horse you know really is stuck i suppose you can get to the next level which might be the vet and a, and a mm. suitable fire uh, crews, there's a lot of mm. fire crews around the country are now really hot on equine rescue, mm. aren't they? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, and 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 I think um, uh, we 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 are um, increasingly called upon um, because the fire brigades, uh, because the fire service are 
are um, becoming more um, skilled at these things, um, they certainly won't want to be um, doing any of this without some veterinary input. And, and so we are often called out by the fire brigade to assist. Um, you know, some of these horses quite often will need sedation to allow a, a big crew of people to try and um, to try and get them to stand. Um, so I think it's important to remember that that, that that there are trained professionals out there that that can that can assist and 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 wherever you should you should consider consider um, recruiting the fire brigade. Obviously, um, it, it, there's other things to to bear in mind with this, and and um, particularly um, if if your horse has been cast a number of times, or if if you're struggling for whatever reason to get the horse to stand, I, I, I always have a bit of a rule of thumb is um, if, unless the horse is genuinely stuck, um, if, if the horse isn't standing when a vet's coming at them with a stethoscope and a, a, and a needle, um, there tends to be a, a reason why they won't, won't stand. So, um, you know, it's, I think, I think it's really important to, to bear that in mind. I think we'll come on to that later, but um, things to consider why the horse is becoming cast is um, the size of the stable. Is it is it too small? Um, uh, is, 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 it, is it an old horse? And, and, and is there is there a orthopedic reason, for instance, why, why the horse is struggling to stand? Um, and is there a not sufficient bedding for the horse to get traction? So um, there's a really nice article recently in the press um, trying to explain the pros and cons of banking and preventing from horses from getting cast. And they were just trying to dispel some, some myths there, really. Um, the take-home message from that was um, that a, lo a lot of these horses are struggling to, 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 to stand in, in, when they're in that kind of um, close up against the wall because... Um, they can't get any traction on the wall itself rather than the floor. So we, we see a lot of these kind of breeze block type stables and we've got front shoes on. It's very slippery for a horse to get to get any purchase. So the suggestion was um, that you could put um, some rubber matting or like a, um, a little board um, which would enable the horse to get some purchase and able to push themselves away from uh, from the wall. So little, little things like that, that that could potentially help prevent or at least help the horse um, when they're in the position to 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 right themselves and, and get get standing. I suppose, as you mentioned, is is it a one-off for this horse mm. that has got cast, or is this happening more regularly? If it is happening more regularly, perhaps as you said, there's some bigger changes that need to occur. Perhaps um, maybe your horse just isn't suited to, to being in a stable too much. Some horses do just do better living out, don't they? Um, mm. And as you said, perhaps with the older horse, there is actually uh, a reason that they are struggling mm. to get back up. Either mm. they need some um, sort of pain support, they need people more comfortable, or mm. they're just finding it difficult being in more and they're perhaps getting stiffer from that lack of movement. Yeah. And I suppose with the, the horse that's kind of got stuck somewhere, I guess it goes back to keeping them in a safe environment, yeah. which yeah. is all very well and good. But horses just seem to find danger, don't they? Um, they do. They do. Things that animals uh, could do might be like fencing with ditches and yeah. things like that. Absolutely, and I, th I think um, it, it kind of brings me back to a, a particular incident where 
I, I was um, asked to, to go out um, to see a horse that was stuck at the bottom of a hill in a ditch. Um, the the field was totally inappropriate for, for horses to, to be um, grazing in, very, very muddy, sort of up to your knee type mud. Um, and it was an elderly horse at the bottom of a, a hill in, in a ditch. Um, so I think it's important to to um, to remember, you know, the suitability of, of of the field that your horse is grazing in, and and to fence some of these obstacles off. That that horse in in question, um, it was a, I mean, it's probably one of the best um, rescues that I've been involved with. The, the fire brigade were fantastic. Um, they ended up using a winch at the top top of the the hill. We um, got some straps around the horse. This is all completely under sedation, um, and the horse was slowly winched up up the hill, very slowly, um, and and the horse did stand, but um, all very very preventable. Um, and um, you know, I think my my sort of appraisal was that that horse probably had um, a, an undiagnosed uh, osteoarthritis and was um, not being managed correctly it was also out in a field that was very very muddy and wet and and everything combined led to that that horse um being stuck in in a ditch and 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 all of those things very preventable um in, in you know very easily so how long did it take to to get the horse out i mean it sounds like a really stressful situation mm. for mm. everybody involved I think um, once we'd realised that Plan A, B, and C weren't weren't a possibility, um, the, the the fire brigade wanted to 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 get a tractor to the bottom of the of, of the of the hill, and there was just no way that that was going to happen. I think uh, once we'd got the winch um, sort of in position and um, the the straps in place, um, it probably took about an hour. Um, and I, we, we, I did have to re-sedate the horse halfway up the hill um, and um, the, the fire brigade were fantastic they were very very conscientious of the of the nature of the of, of horses and they was trying to be as quiet and calm around the horse um, and um, it, it, there was a there was a large number of people involved with that rescue um, but it did it did take a long time but um probably from start to finish two hours but probably an hour on 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 the sort of winching process that sounds extremely stressful for everybody mm. involved and how was the horse afterwards you said it could stand um yeah. afterwards uh, um, did it have any like long-term injuries mm, or anything uh, amazingly um we um we managed to um, lift the horse up um, and when we lowered it down it stood straight away which I was very very surprised at and um, it went and walked off into its stable um, we got some rugs on it and um, the following few days we went and checked on it and um, it, it made an absolute 100% recovery so um, uh, unfortunately that, that horse has been lost to you know follow up um, We've not seen that horse um, for a, a couple of years since, um, but um, in in the short term, it, it did make a, a full recovery. So, um, good news. 
Well, yes, certainly, certainly good to hear. But what is probably the best take home from that is, whilst you managed to get the horse out, which is obviously mm. great, is it kind of been so much uh, prevented? So yes. if the horse had been more, as you said, more suitably managed, perhaps it was a bit uncomfortable, it was in a totally unsuitable field, um, the ditch could have been fenced off. It, it, none of that might have been necessary, which um, I think is probably the most important take-home message for horses getting trapped in dangerous situations is that nine times out of ten, I guess it could have been prevented. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the cast horse, you know, stuck in the stable, the take-home really there would be, wasn't it, human safety and, and trying, yeah. you know, because this is happening repeatedly, you know, what is the problem? Yeah. Um, maybe it's the stable size or the horse not being as comfortable as it could be. Well, that's so interesting to hear your thoughts, Rob, on horsey emergencies. And whilst we hope that none of our listeners are having to deal with mm. any of these on a too regular basis, it's great to know what to do, um, you know, things that we can do to prevent some of these situations from occurring. But really take home, you've got to be not panicking, get your vet involved um, and to keep yourself really safe because you're no use to your horse when you've just had your head kicked in. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast for Unit 4. It was great to hear Rob's take on nosebleeds, definitely not one to ignore if that happens with your horse. Choke, something that often horse owners uh, do have to deal with, but remember it's sensible to get hold of your vet for a check over afterwards. Uh, And also to hear Rob's thoughts on the cast horse, or horse that gets trapped in a ditch as Rob was describing. So much that we can do to prevent some of these horsey emergencies from happening but the main takeaway would be to put human safety as a top priority.